Welcome back to the AYO podcast and the very first of our mini-series where I'll be talking with experts on their tricks of the trade and the many ways you can forge a career as an artist in the 21st century. Today I chatted to experts in the fields of communication and music. They broke down how a musician can present themselves on stage, online and tell their story to an audience. I'm Philip Samets. I have been the uh, Words About Music tutor at National Music Camp in 2019 and 2020. I was for a time a radio broadcaster for ABC Classic. I'm a writer about music. I talk about music a lot, even when nobody's listening. And it's great to be here. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm uh, AYO's Marketing and Communications Manager. Um, I've been with AYO for a few years now. I'm part of the engagement team. Um, and I've got an interest in radio. I've done a bit of volunteering. And today I'm going to be talking a little bit more about social media. Great. And so it's becoming more and more important in the music industry to present yourself as a musician, both on stage and online. So, Philip, I know you have quite a lot of experience speaking to audiences. Can you talk a bit more about stage presence strategies? Yeah, look, I, I think being, being able to speak to an audience as a performer, to engage with them at that level is increasingly important. You will be, as a musician, in front of a range of audiences with a range of interests, a range of knowledge bases, if I can put it that way. And you can't assume that everyone will know what you're about to play or will know a lot about the piece. You'll have a chance to introduce yourself, hopefully, in whatever supporting material you're providing, whether it's a printed program or what have you. But your personal responses to a piece can be shared with the audience from the stage, things to listen for, ways that you can help the audience engage more with you and what you're playing. Um, I really believe it can make a significant difference, particularly over time, to the way audiences think about you as a performer. So, Philip, could you just give me your top tip for a musician who might be a bit reluctant or nervous about presenting themselves on a stage? What advice would you give them? Well, at, at a practical level, I'd, I'd think about creating some really concise notes that sit on the music stand that they can refer to so they've got it there in case they forget anything. Um, I would get them to think about whether they want to hold their instrument while they're talking or not. Um, I would get them to practice looking people in the eye because one of the ways in which this can kind of self-destruct is if the audience sees you looking at the clock on the back wall, which is often what you do if you're nervous. You can't bear to look at people, but they do want to like you and they do want you to be awesome and they do want to know what you think. They're ready to hear from you. So it, it involves a bit of practice and I would suggest practice with someone you trust in your lounge room. That's absolutely fine. You know, get some honest opinions about whether your intro is going to work and I think the other critical thing is don't do a template one every time you play the piece because the range of context will be very different. If you're playing in the first year of a regional music festival to in a town where there's not a lot of classical music lovers, you will talk about a piece very differently than you would at City Recital Hall, Angel Place, for example. So it does involve sort of thinking a bit carefully about that. I would just also add something I was just thinking, Philip, when I know you've got a lot of experience in, in radio and talking and I was wondering 
you know, how comfortable were you when you first started and did did you did your confidence grow? Because I think people need to remember that it probably won't you probably won't feel completely comfortable to begin with, but it does get a lot easier the more that you um, w- w- One of the ensembles I really uh, admire because of the way in which they engage so unselfconsciously with the audience is um, Sarah from Trio. Helen, who is marvellous at this, said to me, when we started, this was the thing I really feared the most, was getting on stage and talking to the audience. And she said, now it's absolutely fine. So it is going to be, and one of the reasons I think these hacks are important is that, you know, I know that people can be very nervous and uncomfortable about doing this, but I do think that it's a sort of not negotiable skill now. I think we all need to be as inclusive and as welcoming as possible. And this is one relatively simple way you can make quite a big difference. Great. And so, Katie, what are some of the main ways we can also sell ourselves uh, through social media and the online world? I suppose as a as a consumer, a lot of people are very familiar with all of these platforms, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, but it's worth thinking of yourself more as a brand or as an organization and thinking about how you can use those platforms a little bit differently. Um, so each of them kind of has their own nuances. But I would say one of the most important things to think about is why am I posting this? What's the purpose of this post? Um, and once you've figured that out, it can help you to measure the success of what you're posting. So for example, if you're posting something uh, because you want to network with your community and get to know them a little bit more, if you get a lot of responses in the comment section, you know that that post has been successful. If not, then maybe you can look at doing things a little bit differently in the future. And this might be something that you both could chat a bit about. How do you tell your story as a musician? How do you choose which parts to include in your biography? That's a good question. I think maybe it's one of those things that depends on what you're performing and it depends on who you are as a musician and what your point of difference is. And, you know, there are a lot of things that musicians all have in common. They all start learning their instrument and at, at an early age. So I think it's worth thinking a little bit about your audience and what kind of thing they might be interested in knowing about you. What do you think, Philip? I, I think that if you're um, trying to create a biography that people really want to read and engage with, then really the most fundamental question to answer is, you know, well, the, the most fundamental thing to address is what inspires you in the first place. Because, you know, as, as Katie will know from reading many biogs, they are all written very much to a template. And they're not usually, and I say this with the greatest respect because I'm talking about, you know, some, some of the greatest musicians on the planet, um, as well as people who are just starting out. These biogs are all written in a very similar way and they don't really give you an insight into what makes the artist tick necessarily. They tell you where they studied, they tell you uh, sometimes what instrument they play, they tell you who they've collaborated with, um, they tell you what their next engagements are. But it is sort of, it, it, it's basically a list in, in effect. And, and what, it's, what what's missing is what Katie's saying, which is, you know, why you've chosen to play a particular repertoire, perhaps. What, you know, if if you're currently undertaking a survey of all the works of Paganini and that's your 
current obsession, why? Um, and you would put that in a biog, but you wouldn't necessarily, you try to make sure that whatever you put in a biog that the audience sees is not what you say on the stage. I think it's really important that the stage is a value add that isn't already there. So if you're going to talk to the audience, it should be something that isn't already in front of them. Yeah. But there are definitely opportunities to make a, a, a musician's bio much more compelling than most of them are now. So you think it's important to find the uniqueness about you and set yourself apart from other musicians, in a sense? I, I think, and it's a very hard thing to do, the first barrier is that a lot of musicians, like most humans actually, don't like writing about themselves and don't enjoy this kind of forensic exercise where they go, well, what makes my performance of this work? What makes my intention to perform it? What makes my recital more interesting than anybody else's? But, you know, you're sort of obliged to do it in a way, um, in the nicest possible way. Uh, so, yes, I think creating a point of difference but actually, I think even more fundamentally, it's about what, why have you decided to be a musician and not a carpenter or an IT specialist or, you know, you've chosen this as your path. And it's amazing how even the greatest artists in the world, all it really tells you is what they've done and not why they're doing it. And I think that's, in, that, that's where some of the best stories are. And should these young musicians, you know, online and on social media really be showing their breadth? and all the different things that they do across the music industry. You know, there are some people who are working as music journalists. Maybe they're dabbling in orchestral managing. Should they really be showing their breadth of, of things that they're doing across those things? Yeah, absolutely. I think that more and more um, musicians, it, it's expected of musicians to share not only their performances with us, but their thoughts on music and there are other projects that they're doing sort of on the side. Lots of musicians write, lots of musicians teach. And I think it's really it's really great to celebrate the whole, the musician as a whole rather than it just being about the performance. And have you got any tips or insights on how to do that across socials that is becoming increasingly more prevalent, I guess? Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. I think um, one thing that I would say is that you don't need to don't feel like you need to absorb yourself in all of these platforms. The, the internet is saturated and endless. And mm -hmm. if you feel comfortable sharing some clips from behind the scenes in your life on Instagram, then do, do that if you feel comfortable with it. If you mm -hmm. feel more comfortable sharing articles that you've written, maybe on Twitter or on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. then do that. I think one of the important things to remember is that it can be very time consuming to share your musical life online. Um, and just to just to bear in mind that this is an added extra. Your main craft is your is your performing. And yeah, don't get too don't get too bog bogged down in it all. And I wanted to ask you both, how can we start to sort of break down barriers using musical communication, whether that's through presentations at the start of the performance to the programs, like how can we open it up to everybody? This generation of musicians that's at camp right now is, is really in, in the ideal position to kind of make this shift because I, I think one of the underlying problems with a lot of the rhetoric about music that you see in print is it assumes a certain level of knowledge and interest. And 
you, that's almost the most fundamental problem, which is, is it welcoming enough? And possibly not. So the way in which we talk about the pieces we're playing, the way in which we write about them, you know, your personal response to a work as a performer is something that your audience is inherently going to be interested in. They do want to know how you respond to a piece in addition to the way you play it. They want to know your feelings about it. Um, so it, we need to sort of de-technicalise some of the language that we use. and But, but without, and, and this is the really hard thing, without oversimplifying it. Because I think, you know, ultimately a, a Beethoven sonata is a masterpiece. It needs, you know, it's, it's something to be treated respectfully, but it is also something that can speak very powerfully to people who may never have heard it before in the same way that a new work can. So it's a fine line, but I, but I believe it can be done. In fact, it is being done, but, but we've got a bit of baggage to sort of discard along the way, I think. Mm -hmm. I think another way that people can get around this slightly is um, when you're talking about pieces of music, um, finding things about more, I, I find I've, I'm more interested in the history of a piece and there often might be an interesting anecdote about that composer and where they were at the time and what they were doing. And often that is interesting to people whether they have musical knowledge or not. And if we're delving into like, oh, this kind of form and this key and this whatever, yeah. um, that can be jarring to people who don't know anything about it and mm. people who do know about it might feel like I don't need to know this. So mm. I think erring on the side of caution and going for interesting history can be a way around things. Yeah, and I think uh, people often think in pictures. So if you can supply somebody with an image as you're introducing a piece, and to get really specific about this, you know, if you're a violinist, I often think of the Franck Violin Sonata as an absolute gift to a violinist because it was premiered at, I think, the Brussels Art Gallery at the end of quite a long concert, late in the afternoon. And by the time that Eugène Isai and his pianist got round to playing the last three movements, the gallery was in was twilight, getting dark, and the gallery had a rule that you could not light any candles, no artificial light of any kind, because it might damage the pictures. <laughs> so they played the last three movements of the Franck Sonata in darkness, and nobody could see the music. And if you are, if you just give people that sense of this very romantic, passionate music being played as the light is gradually disappearing. It's a beautiful place to put the audience just before you start the piece. So if you can, if you, if you can do exactly what you're saying, Katie, if you can create a kind of uh, a really interesting anecdote about the work that really sort of, and then you stop and you just let the audience listen to it, it can be, it can make a big difference. That's all the questions that I have. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Thank Alex. Thank you, Alex.